You're listening to the Zipline Logistics Truck Yeah podcast, where we explore all kinds of hot topics in the logistics industry. Get ready to learn, laugh, and get your brain on. All right. Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Andrew Lynch, uh, co-founder and president of Zipline Logistics. Super excited to get on another edition of the Truck Yeah podcast. First and foremost, want to wish everybody a happy holiday. I know this is going to come out after the big day. I know my my five and four-year-old are super pumped for what Santa's going to bring. I hope that you've got the same situation at your house. So today, we're going to talk a little bit about just sort of, you know, what we see coming for the freight market in 2024. First and foremost, we're going to chat through sort of the overall economy, you know, what we're seeing from our angle as a, a CPG logistics provider, which, you know, gives us a lot of exposure to what the consumer is up to, which has really, you know, kind of been the driving factor behind economic performance for the last, you know, God knows how many decades, but certainly the last 18 months. We're going to talk about the supply and demand dynamics in the CPG marketplace, talk about trucking, volumes, rejections, rates, what we see happening in the market in 2024, and then a little bit about you know, how we see retail buyers responding and, and how we see best practices for, for coming up the next year. So first and foremost, you know, thinking through how we're looking at, at the overall economy and the freight market in 2024, I think, you know, much to everybody's surprise, it looks like we're going to get that, that soft landing that people were really sort of crossing their fingers about six months ago. And, you know, in spite of, I think, what has been a really consistent narrative you know, both in the news media and and from economic prognosticators about, you know, a recession being, you know, basically baked in or or imminent, you know, it 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 really hasn't felt that way. There's been a really interesting disparity between what people are experiencing in the economy today and what people feel about the economy today and and what they feel about the economy, you know, going forward. And, you know, ideally will all benefit from a little bit of a nexus of reality versus perception starting to happen. I think when people start to feel that the economy is performing well, that their wages have gone up, you know, at an equal clip to to inflation, and that as inflation starts to die down, that they can feel more confident spending, investing, starting businesses, buying homes, that we'll really see some positive momentum in the economy, you know, continue in 2024. So while I think it probably won't grow as fast as it did in 2023, I think we're still going to be above, you know, that, that, you know, kind of 2% historic GDP growth that we had, you know, for the decade leading into COVID. Um, You know, as far as the freight market goes, I think the news is probably a little less positive than the overall economy. You know, for those that haven't been, you know, spending every waking moment in the trucking marketplace for the last 18 months, you know, the context is that during COVID, there was a historic surge in demand for transportation services. That historic surge in demand lifted prices well above where their historical trend was, where they have ever been in the past. And that in turn, because of the very low barriers to entry to enter the the transportation industry, drove an enormous amount of supply into the space. So tons of new trucking companies, tons and tons of new um, transportation brokerages opened up over that three-year period. And now as the uh, economy has sort of forced a relatively drastic normalization of rates, while volumes are still, you know, up against where they were in in 2022 and are still, you know, really healthy and on trend for where they were heading before COVID happened, you know, the, the massive oversupply of capacity and providers 
has driven rates, you know, to a place where very literally nobody saw them going. Had you, you know, taken a survey in, in the middle of 2022, I don't think anybody saw what was going to happen with, with transportation pricing over the last 18 months. So it's been a real challenge. It's caused, you know, a, a legitimate recession in the transportation space. You know, we, we continue to see going forward that, you know, capacity is going to continue to bleed out very slowly. Most of these transportation providers got, you know, really, really healthy balance sheets during, you know, those, those quarters where they were getting five bucks a mile. And quite frankly, I think a lot of them are just, you know, sort of trying to hang on until they see the, the market start to turn again or, 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 you know, just try to outlast the slow bleed out. Uh, that said, you know, I, I think that we see volumes remaining healthy. There's nothing in the economy that, uh, or, or in any of our indicators, either on the CPG side or the macro economy side, that, that indicate that, you know, volumes are going to take a, a massive hit or that demand is really going to take a big hit. By and large, what we, what we need to see and what we will continue to see is, you know, this bleed out of capacity, you know, sort of starting to meet an equilibrium somewhere towards the middle of the year. But then we have a very, very slow and steady climb back into, you know, really positive territory for rates. So we don't see a ton of need for shippers to be, you know, extra cautious about, you know, their pricing strategies as long as, and this is a big caveat, as long as they're being disciplined towards service, you know, or at least let's restate that as because not everybody is in the CPG space, as long as they're buying capacity and pricing capacity along the value sets, the, 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 the success expectations that, that align with their business needs. Meaning, you know, in our space, almost everything we move is going to end up on a store shelf for a consumer to, you know, put their hands on it. And if the product isn't on that shelf, the revenue isn't recognized, right? There's a lost sale. And so the implications for failure are enormous. What's really important for shippers in any freight market, but especially one that's as volatile as the one that we've been in the last few years, is to make sure that their purchasing strategy aligns with the value sets that they have and the results that they're seeking. So, you know, we think that there's going to be a really strong need to protect for service. And that I think will be a little bit of what we get into in a second. So as far as, you know, when we think the market's going to turn, I think we're going to start to see some positive momentum in the back half of 2024. I don't think it's going to be enough that if you have good, solid partnerships and, you know, you've got really solid long-term providers that, that offer transparency and, and that, you know, really stand by the, the rates that they put in place and that you're disciplined enough to not go chase those bottom dollar, you know, paper rates that you're going to receive inevitably that you may have a, a you know, a, a really solid performance to budget. Where we see the big risk this year is that, and these trends are everywhere, we see, you know, both publicly, you know, reporting 3PLs, we see 3PLs that, you know, we know in the marketplace that we come across at, at trade shows or that, we, you know, we've been connected with for, you know, 25 years in the transportation industry, where the, you know, the really common theme is, People are trying to go grab volume as much as they possibly can in order to make up for, a, you know, a, a very, very thin margin environment. They're also cutting resources, you know, almost across the board, there have been cuts in investment in technology, there have been cuts in investment in people, 
And when those two things happen, at the end of the day, you know, what these folks are doing is, you know, de-resourcing the business that they're bringing on. And again, if, if, if the freight that you're, you're moving or the service that you're buying is, I just need cheap and it, you know, it's relatively flexible on when it picks up and when it delivers, well, that's great. But if you're in the consumer goods space or you're in the, you know, the high value, high theft space, if you're in the healthcare supply space, if your product has to be on a shelf or in an e-com DC in order to recognize revenue, then you've got a lot of risk here because most of these companies are actively telling you they are not going to be tracking your freight. They're telling you that by showing you the headcount cuts that they're making. They're telling you that by showing you the, you know, bottom dollar rates that absolutely do not support high touch, high service environment. And so, you know, if, if that volume surge that these folks are going out and chasing through aggressive pricing meets up against a, uh, a pullback in resources to actually track freight and execute, what you have are an enormous increase in opportunities for service failures. And that, you know, in a market that is relatively depressed, certainly, you know, versus the, the previous years, service failures feel uniquely unnecessary. I think that next year, there are going to be folks, certainly Zipline intends to be one of those folks that are really, really disciplined on our service model, that we are not turning in pricing that we don't know for a fact will get and deliver the best service, the kind of service that our customers expect out of us and that the CPG marketplace expects out of them. And I think that there are also going to be folks out there that just, you know, really significantly underappreciate how much time and attention and active management has to go into delivering service into these marketplaces. And they're going to set themselves and their customers and therefore, you know, to some extent, the retail marketplace up for failure. One of the next areas that that I have to chat about here is around yellow and convoy and 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 these shutdowns. And, you know, I think in the end, I'm going to sort of categorize those two things as, you know, yellow, relatively big impact on pricing on the overall, you know, kind of national LTL network, only because that network is not nearly as fragmented as the overall as the as the truckload network, right? So when a huge, you know, multi-billion dollar, you know, asset-based provider in the LTL space vanishes, yeah, of course, there are big implications. That freight has to move somewhere. I think by and large, if you're in the CPG space, it's probably not all that impactful, right? Yellow wasn't by and large a, you know, top-tier service provider. They probably weren't someone that you would have leaned on, certainly not somebody that we leaned on at Zipline to manage shipments inbound to, you know, high priority retailers. So less of an impact, certainly in our walls. And if you're in the, in the CPG or, or high value space, probably not much of an impact on you, but certainly, you know, a, a, a broader effect on, you know, kind of that, that price driven tier of LTL volume that, that has certainly had to shift to the other, you know, sort of price tier players. When it comes to Convoy, you know, I mentioned this in our, our podcast a, a few weeks ago, but you know, at the end of the day, it's a splashy number, right? It's a billion dollar business that raised $800 million over the course of eight years and, you know, shut its doors, you know, pretty unceremoniously. And, you know, sadly even signed off the uh, the letter terminating all of his employees with truck. Yeah. Which really, I feel like we should be visiting as some sort of, you know, violation, but that's a, that's a non sequitur. It's not going to, it's, it's not a major impact like these, you know, again, this is an arguably a trillion dollar marketplace. Convoy was a billion dollar player. 
that's a you know a, a fraction of a sliver and they had a, a a pretty specialized niche in short haul so not a big effect on the overall marketplace i do think that you know they're not the last shoe to drop you know we also saw surge transportation go out of business which was a similar model to convoy and and you know was smaller certainly a couple hundred million dollars in freight under management but still you know you're talking about now you're talking about 1.2 1.3 billion dollars in freight under management you know having to shift elsewhere what i you know categorize as as where those guys played is you know they really played in the same sandbox right so, you know surge convoy you know most of the the sort of mega digital folks who are really trying to quote unquote drive inefficiency out of the 3PL space these guys are all playing you know in the mega shipper space by and large you know they're they're working with folks that are price takers first and you know as as that freight falls out of convoy's network it immediately falls into whoever's right behind convoy in the routing guides network and the you know that person gets to lose 15 cents a mile to move the freight for the privilege so again not a huge effect from those two businesses and and really probably not much of a network effect from what I think are going to be, you know, thematically businesses that were out here selling, you know, a dollar for 85 cents as sort of their, their go-to-market strategy. Those folks are going to keep on, you know, falling by the wayside. I do think that there's, you know, a chance that, that there's a, a bit of a sea change in this industry on the back of, of all of this. You know, one, one thing that I think is maybe a little bit underappreciated is that Convoy, by and large, wasn't new, right? The, the, the strategy of going out and selling A-plus service for C-minus rates started with Coyote, right, in 2003 or whatever year they, they opened. I think it was somewhere around there. But, you know, this idea of commoditizing freight and pretending that, you know, a truck's a truck, a driver's a driver, you know, a freight broker's a freight broker, it's nonsense. And it, it always has been. These companies have always been, you know, EBITDA numbers written in red ink. And at the end of the day, I think that to some extent, they created this environment where shippers are comfortable running a bid with 200 brokers and a rule that you have to accept 98% of, you know, first tenders, right? Like those, those, those are two tactics in conflict with each other that, that you know, indicate a strategy that is really driven by a a misconception of how transportation works as an industry and of how service is delivered in the in the freight marketplace and as we see these businesses vanish hopefully we see rational pricing strategies out of the folks that you know those of us that that are still in the business i know that at zipline you know we've been very careful and controlled about our growth our numbers have never been written in red at anywhere on the balance sheet but, you know, we price the service that we deliver and we deliver the service that we price. I think that's a pretty standard tried and true business strategy. And I hope that as these irrational actors get weeded out of the marketplace now that the era of free money is over, that we start to see some more rational action out of every participant in the freight economy. Uh, I think that'd be healthy for all of us. 
What's up, truckers? If you're loving this episode of the Truck Yeah podcast, I guarantee you'll also love Zipline Logistics' newest ebook. It's called Leveraging Shipper Intelligence Technology to Navigate Supply Chain Issues. And this amazing ebook dives deep into how you can select the best shipping technology to maximize your brand's ROI, a peek into what technology that's out there, and everything you need to know about Zipline's proprietary shipping intelligence tool, Canopy. And you want to know the best part it's completely free so you can download the ebook by visiting www.ziplinelogistics.com or by simply clicking the link in the show notes this is an amazing resource that you don't want to miss out on the opportunity to check out so go download it right now now let's get back to the episode all right on to um cpg supply and demand for cpg so you know Again, uh, you know, if, if, if this isn't your space or, you know, it's not the, the, the world that you have lived in, certainly you would have read the news and known that during COVID, there was a massive, massive increase in, in sales results for consumer goods, consumer packaged goods companies, food and beverage businesses, electronics, home goods, all of these things shot through the roof, right? As people couldn't leave their homes, they couldn't go to restaurants, they started, you know, beefing up their home resources, what, you know, what their entertainment opportunities were, how well they cooked their food, what types of cocktails they made. Uh, a lot of beneficiaries from that space. And a lot of those trends are continuing. You know, we, certainly we're starting to see, you know, demand come back to restaurants. We're start, obviously, you know, vacation and travel. You know, if you've, if you've watched those stocks, they've exploded over the last, you know, 12 to 18 months. And, and, and really, I think, you know, have buy ratings across the board. People are excited to get back out and do some of that revenge traveling or continue doing some of that revenge traveling. I know that, you know, my family has certainly stepped up, you know, our travel budgets over the next couple of years, trying to make up for the fact that our, our children spent the first three years of their lives caged in with their parents. So what we see, you know, happening in 2024 is a little bit of a continuation of that trend. You know, there was just a a big McKinsey study that, that came out maybe Monday of this week. So, so somewhere around the 17th or, or, or the 18th of December. And the headline was about, you know, kind of a warning from the consumer and it's there, you know, you, you can see that the overall trends around, around total spending, that the expectations based on these surveys of, of different, you know, generations of consumers from, you know, from, from Gen Z's to, to boomers, you know, that, that across the board, the expectation is, Hey, we're going to, and probably pull it back a little bit next year. And and that's a great headline. Obviously it's it's a clickbait headline, right? It's going to it's going to drive fear which which drives clicks, but when you dove in to the actual data, if you looked at it, you know, sector by sector, by and large every single category, Gen Z especially, but which which you know are 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 now becoming the generation of you know sort of transitioning to the generation that that holds an, an enormous amount of of spending power that they're expecting to spend more, that they're going to spend more on discretionary items, that they're going to spend significantly more on staples, right? That the, the staple food and Bev, you know, what they consider staple food and Bev might be different than what our parents considered staple food and Bev. And that on the sort of semi-discretionary, so, you know, call that cocktail mixers or, you know, high-end booze or, you know, whatever, a nicer cashmere, a cashmere winter hat instead of your standard merino wool. Those kinds of things are, are going to continue to be, to be spent on. And really, every generational demographic showed increased expectations on spending on staples, 
and semi-discretionary items, which is really, you know, in my mind, where the bulk of CPG lives, right? If you're, if you're, you know, a typical consumer goods brand, you probably fall within one of those two categories. So I think that there's plenty of good news coming in 2024 for the CPG marketplace. It's not to say that it's not going to be difficult. You know, a lot of businesses, again, back to the, the era of free money, I think that that history is going to be very unkind to the free money era when it comes to the CPG marketplace and when it comes to the transportation space. I think it's probably the case everywhere. And maybe this is just my own lived experience coming out as a bias, but boy, an, an awful lot of brands that, you know, built their premise on, you know, achieving profitability at volume, those folks have to shift their strategy, right? You've got to become profitable fast. That might mean raising your prices. And that might mean, you know, showing a downshift in volume, but an improvement in profitability. Strategies are going to be, are going to be, have to be dynamic over the next, you know, really several years. And, and that may be just kind of the new normal in consumer goods. We continue to see strong growth in private label. You know, we understand certainly again, that, that, you know, the sort of the youngest large generation of, of consumer sees private label by and large as an equitable quality product to branded. And there's not a ton of brand loyalty out of that generation of consumers. So we, you know, we see a lot of really, really, really strong runway for private label. And, and so private label manufacturers are going to be in great shape. I think that store brands in general are going to continue to, to drive a lot of sustainable growth within, in the retail marketplace. But I do see, you know, I, I do see this opportunity for, or, or this is sort of a personal opinion here, but I do see continued opportunity for premiumization, right? When you see a, that, that was a, that, that was a huge trend over the last few years. I think it will continue to be a successful trend. Again, as long as the price that you're delivering for that premium product is, is, you know, reflective of, of the value that you're bringing. And then also in turn is creating that 35 to 40%, you know, kind of top line margin that is required to run a sustainable CPG brand. From there, we'll move on to, to just, you know, the, the transportation marketplace, you know, volumes right now are, are still healthy. There, there is not a demand issue in transportation. Volumes are above where they were last year. You know, they continue to, to, to run, you know, what looks like a healthy trend, you know, what really is driving rates through the floor is that th there's, as we mentioned earlier, there's too much capacity. That means that that tender rejections for contract freight are, you know, what might as well be zero. Uh, as a result, none of that freight is flowing into the spot market. So there's not enough spot market freight to, to feed all the spot market carriers. And that's, that's driving spot market rates, you know, to run uh, 60, 70 cents per mile below what contract rates are. I think that that is going to start to shift, right? The, the contracts that are being executed today are certainly priced down against the contracts that were executed, you know, six months or a year ago. And so, you know, we're going to start to see those numbers compress. As we see, you know, carriers exit the marketplace, we're going to continue to see that dislocation that comes alongside that, a truck that, you know, used to be reliably in Chicago every Monday morning at 5 a.m., is no longer there. And, you know, you've got to go find a, find a new provider. You know, those things happen in, um, you know, by the millions and you start to see macro dislocation and that macro dislocation ends up driving a little bit more contract freight into the spot market. And as we see capacity continue to exit, 
you know, the combination of a little bit more contract freight flowing in and significantly fewer drivers there to accept it, we should start to see uh, those rates climb and, and, and reach parity with contract and eventually, you know, cross beyond contract rates. I still don't see, I don't see the, the spot rate crossing the contract rate and moving into positive territory against contract rates until pretty late next year. We just, we need an awful lot to happen. We're going to still see seasonality. I think it's going to be muted. I think that the first quarter is going to be, rel- or first quarter is going to be like kind of typical, you know, relatively quiet first quarter. I think produce season is going to be muted again and that, that, that there will be some seasonality there and, and there's always like, you know, sort of little spots, but that it's not going to be a, a, a broad sector capacity constraint like it has been in a, in a, maybe a more normalized year. And then the back half of 24, again, is, you know, going to see sort of a slow climb off of this floor. I think we sort of skid and bounce, you know, slowly upward throughout the course of the the last two quarters of 24, but there's really nothing, you know, short of some massive natural disaster, which, you know, we're all hoping doesn't happen. There's really nothing that, that should drive, you know, any sort of parabolic upward trend on, on rates or rejections in the back half of the year either. So on to retailers, you know, how should retailers respond? How should, how should CPG suppliers respond? I mean, for decades, I've, you know, had sort of the privilege to have a, a, a sort of a, a front seat to watching some of the best, some of the most iconic brands in North America build their businesses and, and establish their market uh, position and, you know, go from upstart to category leader in a lot of sense, in a lot of um, instances. And the tie that binds almost all of those brands has always been in good markets and in bad has always been that they focus on shelf. They focus on being a consumer first brand. That means that they don't have gaps on their shelves at retailers. It means that they are where the buyer is when the buyer's there and is ready to greet the consumer with what it is that they want when they want it, where they want to pick it up. And I think when I, when I translate that, that recipe for success into a marketplace like 2024, God, all I see is a great opportunity for brands to nail their budgets, even beat them and achieve absolute world-class delivery into retail. You know, capacity is abundant. There's no excuse for failure. Rates are stable. There's no excuse for paper rates. We, we know what it costs to get from A to B. And if you're with a specialist like Zipline, we know what it costs to get to A to B, even when B is a UNFI location that only receives from 5 a.m. to 9 a.m. Sunday through Thursday. Like the, these, these costs are known. The things that affect these costs are known. And, you know, we're able to, to build out predictive, steady capacity that you should be able to, to, you know, run your brand on and feel comfortable and confident that, you know, you're going to hit those 98% OTIF expectations. And across the board in our client reviews on the back half of this year or the back, you know, the sort of last, you know, few months of this year and our go forward looks as we expand our position within some of the larger networks that we're in. And I'm talking about some of the largest CPGs in North America. Every one of them is laser focused on, on OTIF. And, and by OTIF, I know everyone associates that with Walmart. That's on time in full. I'm using that as a blanket, right? I don't, I don't want to call out every single retailer's SLA acronym. But 
you know, the, at, at the end of the day, these brands are laser focused on being on time, avoiding fines, avoiding out of stocks so that they can capture every ounce of revenue that they're, that they're budgeting for. And, and that is, is the recipe for success in 2024. And honestly, it's going to be easy if you focus on the right partners. You know, we know here at Zipline, we know exactly what to do for our customers in the next 12 months. And so we're going to focus on executing. We're going to focus on, on continuing to preach the gospel to the CPG marketplace that, you know, you will never, ever, ever save so much money chasing cheap trucks that you can make up for the poor service for the lack of on-shelf performance and for the fees and fines that will be levied upon you by failing to meet retail SLAs. The data is in, the, the jury is out, it's, it's not possible. So put the right strategy in place, find the right partner and let that partner you know, run and do their thing. You know, I appreciate everybody listening. I, I, I hate the idea that I'm ever taken too seriously. These are all predictions. You know, I, I'm not Nosferatu. I, I, I don't have a, a crystal ball. I'm just trying to, you know, hopefully prepare whatever audience is out there for us for, you know, what they can, what they can expect in the next 12, 24. And I, I hope I've given you good news. It shouldn't be a hard year if you're a CPG transportation buyer, as long as you've picked the right partners, focused on the right strategy and are really driving at, at, you know, what truly matters for your business, which is on time in full and of course, the economics matter. It's about you know pairing that 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 service level with the with the price that works for your brand. So, with that, again, happy holidays, everybody. Thank you for listening. Thank you for a great year to our clients, to our carriers, to our partners out there, and especially to the to the the zip liners that have been in here grinding it out in a tough one. So we appreciate you all.